In verse 12, that's where I want to lift our message from today. It says, but Peter got up and ran to the tomb. He bent down and saw the grave cloths, but nothing else. Then he went back home amazed at what had happened. Now, some translations translate the word that's translated here, amazed, as marveled or uh, being astonished or just having awe or wonder about. It's a word that uh, the Greek word is thalmatso. And as I was thinking about it, I try to remember the first time I really was that I could recall that I was amazed. And I uh, remembered back, we used to live within walking din- distance of the football stadium for the high school, the high school football stadium when I was a kid. And so we didn't have a whole lot to do back then. This is before TV at all. I had people coming up to me after the early service this morning and saying, yeah, I can remember we had to turn the channels by hand and stuff like that. And I said, no, 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 no. We didn't have any TV at all. You know, we hadn't come out yet. And so uh, we had to find other ways to entertain and we made the most of what we had Halftime at football games, those were major. Everybody came went to the football game. There wasn't anything else to do. So we were there. The whole town got together, and there we were. And uh, the halftime was fabulous. And I remember uh, the young lady that lived across the street was the drum major in uh, the high school band. Wore the big, like, fur hat, you know, they used to have, they'd see them and uh, did all that stuff. I remember her doing a flaming baton routine. And I thought that was fabulous. Then all the twirlers one time, they were all throwing those fiery batons up in the air. Nothing burned down or anything. It was really cool. But that was really cool. But then one time, I remember looking and somebody had brought a huge anvil. I mean, it took like a tractor to bring this thing out. They put it in place and then they brought in a whole bunch of truck batteries, big truck batteries, and they connected them all together. And then they connected one end now, this is only in Cleveland will you see something. Cleveland, Texas, will you see something like this? They hooked one of the electrodes to the anvil itself. And I saw the other one down there, and it was hooked on to about a six-foot iron rod. There was a place in the halftime performance where we all stood and they dimmed the lights and we all sang the national anthem. That was inspiring. But all of a sudden, that guy that was down there by that anvil picked up that iron rod and in time with the music, raked it across that anvil. Sparks flew beautifully. I mean, every time he did it, it looked like a transformer blowing. I mean, it was just incredible, the sparks. I mean, it was inspiring. I mean, the rocket's red glare, 
You could see the red glare there. It was amazing. And that was the first time I remembered really being amazed as a little kid. Maybe you can think of some time when you experienced this word, thaumatso, the Greek word. Uh, it's the word that is used whenever it says that Jesus marveled at the people's unbelief. He was amazed at their unbelief. There's another place when he was amazed at, uh, at the centurion's faith. So it's a word that can be used in a negative connotation and um, another way. Yesterday, when I was driving around the traffic in Katy, and especially around uh, Target and Randall's and around it, Party City around in there, I was amazed at the driving that was going on. That would be the when you use thalmazo. You know, people just pull out in front of you like they have faith in your brakes and they know you're going to use them. I mean, it's this this marvel. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Peter was amazed that first Easter. So much had gone on, and one of the things that becomes very clear is that everything that Jesus said came true. I mean, you go back, there was a time when they had to pay the preaching tax, and he told Peter, just go out, throw a line in the river, catch a fish, and when you pull that fish out, you look in his mouth, and you're going to find a coin. You take that coin and go pay our preaching tax with it. Peter did what he was told to do, and lo and behold, it happened just the way Jesus said. When it came time for them to uh, go into Jerusalem, Jesus told them, you go and you're going to find a donkey tied. You pick that donkey, you just get that donkey. donkey. Somebody's going to ask you, what are you doing with that donkey? And, and you just tell them the master says that he has need of him. And uh, they did that. They found the donkey right where Jesus said it was going to be. Somebody did stop him and ask him, just exactly as Jesus said, the donkey he rode in on. It was like that. When they were getting ready for the Last Supper, Jesus said, go into town and you're going to see a guy carrying a jar of water. You follow that guy. And when you get, when he goes into a house, you go up to that house and you ask the head of that household where they have it, where the banquet room is set up for the master to, for he and his disciples to celebrate the Passover. They did what Jesus said and things happened exactly the way that Jesus said they were going to happen. When they were going into town, into Jerusalem one day during the Holy Week, he saw a fig tree and he was wanting figs and there was nothing on it. So he cursed it. And the next day they came back by and the tree was withered. And Peter called it his master. Look, look, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, just like Jesus said, every time things were just like Jesus said. And he had been telling them over and over and over again for at least six weeks. I, the son of man, am going to be going to Jerusalem and they're going to take me and they're going to kill me and they're going to bury me. And three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. 
And even before, whenever they got there, on the night that they took him, he'd already told the night of the Passover, they'd already, he'd already told Peter, before the cock crows the second time, you're going to deny me three times. Again, just exactly what Jesus said was going to happen, happened. And this is something that we can count on today. Because you see, when Peter went to the tomb, he didn't understand. He, he heard. The disciples all heard this stuff that Jesus was, was saying. And he was saying it exactly the way it was going to happen. But they just couldn't hear it. They were still planning on having their positions in the government that Jesus was going to set up and all. They didn't get what he was saying. I told you last week, Mary got it. And that's why she anointed his feet and his head for his burial. But now Peter, I think, is beginning to get it. And he is amazed. He doesn't understand it all, but it's all true. It's all happening just as Jesus said. And this is something you look at the news today and you get all worried because you're not paying attention to what Jesus said. He said things were going to get just like they are in our world today. And Jesus told us what to do when things started getting like that. Do you remember what he told us to do? Look up because our redemption draws nigh. Jesus' last predictions are being played out before our very eyes and on TV. And instead of getting all bent out of joint and upset, we should get excited because every day is just a little bit closer to the Lord's return. But he said he was going to rise again, and he did. And there are three things that I want to share with you that we know are so and that we can be just amazed at and not just on Easter Sunday, but every day of the week. These three things, they amaze me every morning when I wake up. But Easter is the time whenever it is sealed. First of all, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins, no matter how horrible they might have been, they have been forgiven. Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. Now, uh, this is something that's hard to grasp. There's so many people that want, they think, well, my sin's different. I've got to, I've, I've got to do some sort of penance. I've got to work. No, no. Trying to get ready to receive what God has for you is kind of like taking a bath before you take a shower. The thing is, you come to him as you are and he forgives you and he loves who you are and what you are. Your sins have been forgiven and that's amazing. There was a, a mom who was reading through the third chapter of John to her daughter and she got to these words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The mom stopped there 
And she looked at a little girl and she said, isn't that amazing? And the little girl said, no. And the mom thought that she must not understand. So she read it through it again and said, don't you think that's amazing? And the little girl said, no, if somebody else did that, that would be amazing. But that's just the way God is. She grasped the fullness of all of this better than her mom did. So the thing is, God so loved the world that he gave his son so that we could be forgiven. That passage goes on, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus came to die for the forgiveness of our sins. When he had his disciples together that last night in the upper room, it says he took the cup, he gave thanks to God, and he gave it to them. Drink of this, all of you, he said. This is my blood, which seals God covenant, God's covenant. My blood poured out for many for the what? Forgiveness of sins. Well, when John the Baptist announced who God had revealed Jesus was at the very beginning of his ministry, do you remember what he said? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Your sins have been forgiven. You may think that there's something that you've done that's beyond forgiveness. You may think that there's some sort of penalty that you still have to pay. But your sins have already been forgiven. The only thing that you can do is believe and receive. There's no work that you can do. All you can do is accept it. The gift has been prepared and it is offered to any who will receive it. To me, that's mind boggling. And I remember the night that I was uh, just in conversation with the Lord whenever he let me know that uh, I didn't have to fear death. I didn't have to do anything but receive his love. And then I just wanted to live for him from that moment on. But the thing is, he made it clear. I kept thinking, God, I've got to somehow get things right. He said, don't worry about it, Joel. That's what I went to the cross for. I took care of it. You see, he knew everything you were going to do wrong. He knew you weren't going to make it into heaven without him. And so he came knowing that you were going to betray him, knowing what you were going to do and paid the price for those specific things that you may be feeling guilty about and know that you could never repay. No, we can't take back any of the pain we've inflicted on other people. We can't undo any of the things that we've done in the past, said in the past, but we can receive the forgiveness that he's already paid for and start a brand new life with God from this moment on.
That's what he is. It's amazing. And I would bring up there, so what about, I took care of it, Joel. But, but what about, I took care of it. Cool it. It's okay. I paid the price. And not just for you. And he made it clear that he did it for you and 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 you. And you. Every one of you in this place, he did it for you. All you can do is gratefully and gladly receive it. That's amazing. It goes against the grain of what we feel and what we think, but it's the truth. Jesus has said it, and we saw at the beginning, everything that Jesus says comes to pass. That's number one. And to me, that's amazing. Your sins have been forgiven, and it has been sealed with God's raising Jesus from the dead to confirm that that is fact. Next, and this is really amazing to me and should be to everybody, you don't have to fear death. I think that is just another one of those things that's been such a great blessing to me. And I'm just amazed. There was a time when I lived thinking I only had X number of days to live, and then it was all over. I got really depressed when I was 35 years old, and I thought that I only had 15 more years to live because I thought your life was over when you were 50. 25 years later, I'm still trucking, people, okay? So don't let numbers and stuff like that bother you. But the thing is, I did, I just got really depressed, and then the Lord was gracious enough to let me move to St. Augustine, Texas and get to see 82-year-olds win the walkathon and uh, uh, an 86-year-old run, run for another uh, run at office for mayor and uh, another lady sweeping. Anyway, it was just amazing. Octo and nonogenarians were just running all over that town. And it was fantastic. And so uh, I began to see that life did not end at 50. So, uh, but the thing is, before I came to know the Lord, I had this fear of death. I really had a fear of cancer because back then there was no hope when you got cancer. It was just, you were going to go from there. That was it. It was just a long, slow death. And so I feared that. Because I didn't, that was just going to be dragging out the inevitable. But I feared it. But then, once I came to know the Lord, I began to see my life is in His hands. And my life does not end with death. That death is just a doorway. And I can remember, I can remember Rick telling me at one point in his journey to the Lord, saying, you know, there's a lot worse things than dying. And you know, he's right. And oddly, just a couple of weeks before that, somebody else totally separately told me the same thing. And you see, that's the Christian view. There's a lot of things that are worse than dying. Uh, death has become a doorway into greater and greater life. I'm not the only one that's feared death. Metalark Lemon, 
many of you are way, way too young to remember him. As far as I'm concerned, he's the greatest basketball player ever. Michael Jordan's nothing compared to Meadowlark Lemon. I mean, he was just cool. Uh, But, you know, Meadowlark Lemon became a Christian. He became a Christian minister even. And uh, he died when he was 83. But I got to hear him share his testimony in person one time. And uh, I think it was in Tyler. I can't remember for sure where it was. I think it was in Tyler. But uh, anyway, we go, we were there listening to Meadowlark uh, Lemon share his testimony. And he revealed that before he became a Christian, he was scared to death of dying. So much so that, uh, you know, the Globetrotters, the, you know, the name means you trot all over the globe. As they traveled all over the United States, the rest of the team flew, like from Chicago to Houston for a ball game. Meadowlark Lemon took a bus because he was afraid he was going to die in an airplane crash. But then he said, and then I got to even worried because it dawned on me, I could be sitting at home in my house and a plane could crash into my house. And there was just, he realized he wasn't going to escape death sooner or later. And all of a sudden, when he came to know the Lord, his fear of death was gone. The same with me. I'm with the Lord now. Uh, and it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so death no longer has a sting. There was a young man that was driving along with his little boy down a country road and all of a sudden a bumblebee flew in through the window and uh, started flying around in the car. And the little boy was uh, deathly allergic to bee stings. And the little boy was just panicked and terrified. And the father just reached over and grabbed the bee and gave it a squeeze and then let it go. And the bee flew off. And the little boy, he saw the little boy was still terrified. He said, son, you don't have to worry anymore. You see, I took the sting. He's telling you this morning, the Lord is. See these palms? I took the sting. Death no longer has a sting. He took it. So death is now a gateway into more life. And so that's just amazing. And I just get amazed at it every day. I get amazed at how fearful I used to be and how now I can just live in the moment because I don't have to worry about dying. So anyway, so that's number two. You don't have to fear death. The last one, to me, this is the most mind-boggling thing. You're going to live forever. Isn't that amazing? Now then, you may not know this. It's your choice where you will live after you die. And it's your choice how you will live after you die. But those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior will spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. That is our, not just hope, that is our sure conviction. But I'm going to spend the next few weeks talking to next week, I'm going to be talking about the fact that uh, you choose uh, how you will live after you die 
and you choose where you will live after you die. But it confirms that we will live forever in one way or another. Long after the Energizer Bunny has beaten his last drum, we're going to be just getting started. I love the way we sing it in Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, you ever thought about how long 10,000 years is? Sometimes three minutes can seem like forever, can it? And sometimes a week can seem like just a moment, can it? But just think, 10,000 years. I mean, people look at me and say, he's 75 years old. I don't, anyway, the thing is that, uh, yeah, I've lived a long time. I hadn't even gotten started yet, though. In God's eyes, you see, that uh, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. After we've been with the Lord for 10,000 years, we will have not gotten started. I think that's amazing. That's a long time, but we're not going to get tired of it, I'm sure, okay? There was a man who was told, informed by his doctor, that he had a terminal illness, and it really got him down, and he went out to the countryside to pray, and he found a beautiful spot, and as he was there praying, all of a sudden, a peace just came over him because he knew that he was going to live forever. And he looked out with realization and he said, mountains, there's going to be a time when you're just dust, when you have crumbled away. Rivers, there's going to be a time when you cease to flow and you will be no more. And I will have just gotten started. And he went home with Easter faith. Easter reminds us of some amazing things. It reminds us our sins have been forgiven. It reminds us that we don't have to fear death. It reminds us that our life is forever. And I find all those things tremendously amazing. I just thalbatso when I think about them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.